Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for March 26, 2018. We have the baseball season starting this week, so that is pretty exciting. For basketball, it's just a five-game slate tomorrow, and this will probably go pretty quick. I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about. Uh, first game on the slate is the Denver Nuggets at the Philadelphia 76ers. As of now, this game has the highest over-under on the slate. That's probably going to be end up being the highest scoring game of the night just because a couple of the later games have some lower-paced teams. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, we've got Jokic all the way down to 8,600. Really tough matchup against Joel Embiid, but 8,600 I think is cheap enough for Jokic where he's worth playing just because I do feel like he's somebody who could have a 60 fantasy point game really in any matchup. And with a 223.5 point total... He does tend to play better in up-paced games. I mean, everybody scores more fantasy points in up-paced games because there's more uh, possessions, except just the way that Jokic plays in the open floor. The Sixers play at a fast pace, so I, I think that he could do well in that matchup. And then from the Sixers' side of the game, 9,400 for Embiid I think is just too cheap. He's been really good lately, and it's a good matchup for him against Jokic. So I, I just think that's a weird underprice. Do you agree with that, Matt? Do you see any reason that Embiid should only be 9,400? No, I think it's kind of just laziness. Uh, well, I guess it, there, there isn't too much of a human element to the pricing algorithm, I don't think, but Embiid is always priced in the low to mid 9,000s, at least lately, and this is a really strong matchup for him at home, so there's definitely value just because of the matchup. Jokic isn't good defensively, so I definitely prefer Embiid to Jokic, and I'm a little concerned about foul trouble on the Jokic side, but he is a little cheap and probably won't have much ownership in the tough matchup. I think Embiid will be a lot higher owned. Um, it might make some sense to use them both in a mini stack of sorts. I won't say game stack really, though, because I don't think there's much value on these two teams otherwise. But I think using them together might be a decent strategy. Yeah, I was just looking through Embiid's game logs, and I think I figured out why his price is down a little bit for a plus matchup. And his minutes are way down the last three games, so it's because the Sixers have just destroyed the last few teams they played. They played the Grizzlies, they played the Magic. They said really easy matchup. So not too much concern there. Embiid's minutes should go back up. Maybe people look at that and just say, oh, the rest are going to get ready for the playoffs. But I don't really think that's the case. He should be playing normal minutes. Well, tomorrow. I'll say this as far as like the blowouts for the Sixers. I don't think that there's zero blowout risk for this game. Uh, well, there's never zero blowout risk. But the Sixers have already moved from minus four to minus five and a half. I think they've just gotten better as a team. Part of that's the trade deadline. Part of that is guys coming back from injuries. They haven't really had their full roster together for that much of the season, but maybe things are just clicking a little more for them now because they've had their guys healthy for so long and they were, I don't know, dealing with guys in and out of the lineup for most of the year. Embiid was resting on back-to-backs. For whatever reason, the Sixers are playing much better lately and they might just be a better team than the baseline projections have them for so maybe they blow out the Nuggets again, too, and Embiid ends up playing less minutes. But I think that the upside is there where it's worth using him anyway. Yeah, I mean, I would still call five and a half points to be pretty marginal blowout risk, though. Like, what what would you say the chances are that the game ends up with Embiid only playing whatever low 20s minutes again due to a blowout? Well, if, if the fair line were five and a half, I'd say that it's very low. I mean, less than 10% chance, but maybe the fair line should be something like six or seven or maybe eight. So if that's the case, then the blowout risk maybe goes up to the 10 to 20% range, but that's still not very high anyway. So I, I think he's a fine play, pretty safe because he'd have to do well for the Sixers to win by a lot anyway. And there's certainly a lot of upside for him in that at that price in this matchup. 
Well, the next game definitely is more blowout risk. This is the Knicks playing on the tail end of a back-to-back in Charlotte. Charlotte's definitely been a little underwhelming this year, except they're a much better team than the Knicks are, and they're at home. Knicks are on the tail end of the back-to-back. So 11.5-point spread right now for this game. From the Knicks' side of the game, it'll be interesting to see who they start tomorrow. Trey Burke started a point guard for the Knicks on Sunday, and bringing up the minutes, he played 20, oh, the game's not over yet, but he's played 25 minutes with two and a half minutes left in the game. So if Trey Burke starts again, I think he's a good value play at 4,800. He is scoring over a fantasy point per minute with the Knicks this year, so he wouldn't need a ton of playing time for us to expect him to hit value at 4,800, and a lot of upside for him also. Michael Beasley, I think, is another uh, kind of like risk-reward GPP play. Sometimes we only see Beasley play 22 minutes. Sometimes he plays like 35 minutes and does really well. I don't really think the minutes are that predictable. They tend to be really random for him. But I think the upside makes him worth rostering in tournaments. From the Hornets side of the game, uh, let's see. what Dwight Howard, 8,700. Kemba Walker, 8,300. And then we have Batum, questionable to play after missing the last couple games with an Achilles injury. Uh, I think there's too much blowout risk here, and I prefer the prices on Embiid or Jokic to Howard or Kemba. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think that this is a tough spot for sure, and I think the Sixers-Nuggets game just has better targets. Uh, as far as the Knicks, uh, Kyle Quinn missed the game on Saturday, and I guess if he's out, that could open up more minutes, or it, it would open up more minutes for the Knicks bench guys. Like, I don't know, Luke Cornett at min-price, if he's going to play half the game, maybe is worth considering, but that's probably a bit of a reach. Um, just more minutes floor for Beasley and Canner, but I think that there's enough blowout risk where that's a problem too. So we could probably see the Knicks' minutes being really spread out. Maybe Burke is the only good play. Uh, Moutier and Neil Aquina actually ended up playing the same amount, even though Neil Aquina started. They both are at 21 minutes with, yeah, it's like two minutes left in the game. So those guys are probably more fringe plays. Moutier is a little cheap, though. He's only at 4,000. I think it makes sense to roster one of the three Knicks point guards at least because one of them probably will do well, and I think all of them have a decent amount of upside, but I think I agree with you that Burke is the best choice. Yeah, definitely, especially if he's starting. Uh, it's hard to know right now if that's something that's going to stick or not, uh, but Moutier has been absolutely awful for the Knicks this year. Burke has played the best of the three, and then Neil Aquino was the Knicks' first-round pick this year. So it seems to me that Moutier would be the odd man out of the starting lineup, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, next game here is the Lakers at the Pistons. From the Lakers' side of the game, really tight rotation for them right now because uh, they still have Brandon Ingram out, and then uh, Isaiah Thomas, another hip injury for him. And the hip injury is a little concerning because that's why he missed almost this entire season was because of the partial labrum tear. So I would not be shocked to see Isaiah Thomas sit out the rest of the regular season. But with him out, I mean, the minutes just become so concentrated for the Lakers. KCP was already playing a ton of minutes. He still has to play a ton of minutes. And then Lonzo Ball, Julius Randle, Kuzma. These guys all played like 40 minutes in the Lakers last game. And I assume that's going to be the case again. So I think in a spot against the Pistons, who have not been good since the trade for Blake Griffin, I think... All of the Lakers starters make for really good plays for cash and GPP just because there's so much minute security there. And then from the Pistons side of the game, I think that Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are both good targets, uh, especially for game stacks. Uh, And I wouldn't have an issue rostering them together if it was with uh, three or four Lakers players also. 
Yeah, so I think game stacking here is probably the safest route for the slate. Both of these teams sort of have something to play for. I mean, the Lakers aren't contending for a playoff spot, but they also don't have their own draft picks, so the tanking part, I guess, doesn't matter. And then the Pistons, I guess, haven't been mathematically eliminated yet. They're still sort of trying to win. I wouldn't expect Griffin or Drummond to be that likely to rest anytime soon, at least. So with Isaiah Thomas out, it's definitely a really good spot for the Lakers side. I think even as as punt plays, guys like Travis Ware and Tyler Ennis, they're going to have to play minutes. I think there is a decent amount of minute security for both of them. Um, at 3,000 and 3,200 respectively, if they're playing in the 20s in minutes. Probably expect them to hit value at the very least and could do a decent amount more than that. And then Drummond and Griffin from the Pistons side. I think uh, Stanley Johnson was injured last game. I don't know if we have an update on that, though. Let me see. Uh, Uh, Looks like he's questionable. So maybe a boost to guys like Reggie Bullock and Luke Kennard and, I don't know, maybe Anthony Tolliver. I think Bullock would probably be the best play of those guys, though. Yeah, if I had to pick one, it would be Bullock. But it's a lot of guys, and I would probably prefer to roster like Trey Burke or whatever in that price range. Uh, it's it's still a lot of guys that get minutes for Detroit, even if Stanley Johnson's out. And then if he plays, it's just a lot of guys playing in the mid-20s minutes. Yeah, I think so. I think Bullock would be someone to only use for game stacks, and he's probably just a fringe play either way. And none of those wing players are really usable if Stanley Johnson's in there. All right, the next game on the slate is the Memphis Grizzlies at the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, is have, have the Grizzlies said anything about rest for this game, do you know? I haven't seen anything. I would imagine that Tyreek plays and Gasol sits. It looks like they're alternating, but I don't know if there's been any official word on that. Uh, I'm just yeah, looking. I'm just checking really quick because Tyreek Evans was away, supposedly away from the team last game. So I'm trying to figure out if um, if he's back with the team now. Okay, he's still going to be... So Tyreek Evans is going to be out tomorrow. I just looked it up. It was on the, the Grizzlies' Twitter. I just wasn't... I remembered seeing that, but I wasn't sure if that was for this game or the last game. So no Tyreek Evans. I'm, I'm still not convinced that Marcus Gasol plays, though. It's, it's so hard to target any Grizzlies players in until we get a starting lineup for them, we have confirmation on who's in or out. So for me, it's only roster anybody on on their team if you know who's playing for sure 100% before lock, because or else you run into the possibility of Marcus Sol 10 minutes before the game. Ah, uh, he's uh, he's in Europe. He's not even with the team right now, and nobody knew until right now. So to me, it's stay away from Memphis unless we know 100% who's playing for them. From the Minnesota side of the game, I would say that there's a lot of blowout risk here, except Thibodeau usually likes to leave players in, even if it is a blowout going on. So guys like uh, Jeff Teague, the Elitza, Towns, I think are all fine to roster in GPPs. But I still prefer uh, Embiid and Jokic in the same price range to Towns. Yeah, I think Teague is a little cheap, though. So I'd probably roster him and not much Towns, just because, yeah, there are better centers and similar prices. Uh, the one Memphis guy that I think is probably a good play is Andrew Harrison with Tyreek Evans out. Uh, big usage bump, more minutes for Harrison with Evans not there. He's only 5,200, so maybe that's a bit marginal. Like, I'd probably rather use Burke at a similar price. Uh, but I think Harrison's in play. There's no reason you can't have both of those guys in the same lineup. 
you're not restricted to only one $5,000 point guard per lineup. That's a good thing. Yeah, I would just be concerned about Harrison not playing because that's my concern with every Memphis player. Yeah, I guess... Is he? Are the young players rest candidates too? I guess I don't see why not. They're less likely to rest than Evans and Gasol and even like Jermichael Green are. But I don't. I don't think there's too much risk with the younger players. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the question is what what even qualifies as a young player? Right. They are. Uh, they're trying to lose. So anyone who's even remotely good for them, they don't want playing. Yeah, it's definitely a crapshoot, but I think the the player I'd be most comfortable with is probably Harrison, and then I think I think I'd put Jarrell Martin in that category too. I think if if you were forcing me to choose two Grizzlies players, I think it would be Martin and Harrison. But fortunately, you don't have to use any Memphis players. That's not a rule of DFS. You have to use Grizzlies players at the end of the season. As far as I know, uh, I think I think that it is not a rule. Well, I think that if the DFS community band together, we could create some sort of idea that if everybody just agrees that nobody's going to roster a Grizzlies player, it kind of seems to solve a lot of issues for everybody. And most of them suck every night anyway. So I don't, I don't know, like how many times has Deontay Davis been like thirty percent owned this year and scored under ten fantasy points? I think, I think every time. Yeah, that sounds that's a, sounds like the same guy that I would be thinking of. Yeah, Deontay Davis. Uh... And all of those Grizzlies guys are very underwhelming players. So, yeah, maybe uh, maybe it's fine to just avoid them entirely. All right. The final game of the night is the Boston Celtics at the Phoenix Suns. A lot of injuries for this game right now. We have Terry Rozier only at 7,600 for a game against Phoenix. Rozier is having a really big game against Sacramento right now. And he's been playing 35-plus minutes recently. Uh Let's see. Actually, that game's over. He played thirty. Yeah, he played thirty-six minutes tonight. Had a really good game against the Kings. He figures to be chalky against the Suns tomorrow, but it's a really good spot for him. So I think that he's worth rostering. Uh, same goes for Al Horford. Has not played great recently, except Horford did have a good game today, though. He finally played well, so maybe that causes more people to roster him. At least I'm more comfortable using him. He was at uh, thirty-four or so DraftKings points on Sunday. And then Jalen Brown played 25 minutes for his first game back. He also got into early foul trouble, so it's hard to know what the minutes expectation is for him. But 5,100 in a really plus matchup with the potential of Marcus Morris being out because he's listed as questionable, I I think this could be a really good spot to roster Jalen Brown as a value play. From the Sun side of the game, TJ Warren is, I believe, not expected to... Oh, he's questionable. Devin Booker also questionable. So... It's the same situation with the Suns where TJ Warren and Devin Booker are the two best players. So it's it's hard to know who's in play when you don't know the status of some of players who use so much usage in minutes. So what do you think of this game and what would you do if we were going into lock and Booker and Warren were still questionable? Um, I would probably fade the Suns entirely because I think Josh Jackson is a good play at 6,700 if either of them out or especially if they're both out. But it's, it's not so much value that you really miss out that much if you don't get to roster Jackson and he has some ownership at 6,700. It's still a tough matchup against the Celtics. Um, he's someone who I would use if both those guys are out. But it's, it, it's, not, like a, it's not a no-brainer pick where you need to know about it before lock happens. And I, I think the same can be said of Booker and Warren, who in tough matchups and with a lot of... Well, I guess I won't say it's a lot of blowout risk, but the Suns are bad, so any Suns game has blowout risk. Um, I think that they're all fringe plays potentially, and Alex Len too. But if there's uncertainty going into lock, I think it's fine to just avoid them. 
And then, yeah, Jalen Brown for the Celtics. I think he's the strongest play from their side. Even in only 25 minutes, he he should still hit value fairly easily. And he might play more than that if his restriction is lifted. I think he was on a 25 minutes restriction for Sunday and played exactly that amount. So if he gets closer to 30, then at 5,100, he's a pretty good play. And I think he's fine to roster, even if Morris is in, but he's a little bit better of a play if Morris is out. Yeah, I think, uh, what, uh, I'm trying to, what, did Morris get hurt during the game today? No, Morris was out prior to the game. Okay. I was, I was watching golf today. So, (laughs) let's see, what were the, so we had 32 minutes for Al Horford today. I I do think that if Morris is out, it would help Horford a lot, because Horford's minutes have kind of fluctuated a lot, and they would just have to play him more. If Morris doesn't play, and then we had Baines at 24 minutes, Monroe at 20. What's the price on Monroe? Because I think that he is an interesting play if he's cheapish and more. He's 5,500, but he's interesting for the revenge game against the Suns, right? No. Uh, Okay, so I think 5,500 is probably too expensive for Monroe, even if Morris is out. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I I have no interest in Monroe. I'm not playing uh, for the revenge narrative for the team that he played for for half a season. No, it wasn't even half a season. They traded for him at the trade deadline and released him. And he only played a few games for uh, It was before the trade deadline. Yeah, it was like he played for the Suns for about a month. Yeah, he was, and he only played on the tail end of back-to-backs, the weirdest role of any NBA player. All right, so that's going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GRNBerGDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense, and we'll be back for Tuesday Slate.